Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited. Thanks for joining me each and every Saturday and telling all your friends, becoming mini orthopedic surgeons out there. You're the smart one in the family now, whenever anybody hurts themselves. And after this show today at my house, 12 of my surfing buddies are descending upon my cul-de-sac for a game of three-on-three. The great Ed Sayor organized this. This game is going to be called pre-op because a bunch of 60-year-old men jumping around Nothing good can come from this event, <laughs> but I am looking forward to it. I was loading my surfboard in the back of my truck one day in Ventura, and Albert Garcia came up to me, total stranger, and said, what kind of board you got? He starts having a conversation with me about the surfboard that I have, and I told him, and he he said, uh, I, I know that guy who shaped your board. I used to work for him, but I don't work for him anymore. I said, really? You don't like him? You didn't like him, did you? He said, no. Then he had a big smile on his face. He says, but now I work for someone really great. Who's that? Wayne Rich. I shape boards for Wayne Rich now. And I said, you know, I heard of Wayne Rich, and I think I may have even met him. What's so great about him? Oh, he's the greatest. And he went on and on and on. And it was amazing. As I'm putting my soaking wet surfboard and I'm soaking wet with my wetsuit, I said, you tell Wayne Rich I'd love to have him on the Weekend Warrior Show to talk to him about his lifetime of shaping surfboards. And then I called Wayne Rich and we had a conversation. And the thing that I took away from my conversation with Wayne Rich was his pride in telling me that he has custom-made every surfboard. He didn't just make boards mass-produced and then you go to the shop and buy it. No. You go to him and say, this is the measurements, this is what I want. You give him a check, and he then goes and shapes the surfboard. And that was fascinating to me. The way to pursue one's life, not just phoning it in, but actually making each and every board in a custom way I started to think the greatest surfer in our lifetime is Kelly Slater nobody beats Kelly Slater he's Michael Jordan in surfing but there was a guy who could beat him in his prime and his name was Andy Irons and Andy Irons was so talented but the surfboards that Andy Irons rode were made by a guy, also a surfboard shaper, like Wayne Rich, named Eric Arakawa. So I decided to go learn a little bit more about Eric Arakawa. Custom making these boards for Andy Irons. Maybe he knows a little bit, something I can ask Wayne Rich about. 
And I learned a lot about life by listening to Eric Arakawa talk about life as it relates to surfing, to shaping surfboards. So listen to what Eric Arakawa says about life and the idea of joy versus happiness. And then I said, hmm, I wonder where I see that same subject in the world of art. Well, it led to Anthony Bourdain, the chef, the most creative guy in the kitchen, the artist in the kitchen. But first listen to Eric Arakawa. There's, there's two things. There's, there's happiness and there's joy. And they're not necessarily the same thing. Joy is knowing that I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm a man of faith, and I believe that there's something much bigger than myself. Through that, my faith, I've been able to make sense of this life. And I know there's a lot of other people that would disagree and feel like, well, okay, that's good for me because maybe I just needed some extra help. But I'm free, and I can just live life, and I can go ahead and just use that to connect with other people. Hmm. That is what gets me up in the morning. There is something so much more important than building surfboards, so much more important than running a successful business or striving for that. There's so much more than just sticking a whole bunch of money in my, my bank account. If I'm ripping people off, if I just shape the board and go, ah, this is good enough, you know, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, it has to affect everything, you know. I want to I wanna do my best for everyone. Because God gave me his best. Because God gave me his best. He puts everything about him into each of those custom orders. You look at surfing, it's inherently such a selfish sport. And I, and I feel that we, we need to, to live just the opposite of that. When you get to that place where you know that you know that you're where you're supposed to be, there's joy. And I fall short. I do fall short. And that's where forgiveness comes. But that's what drives me. And it's not always easy, but I have joy doing it. You have joy in doing the very best to custom make that board. It's not about the money. Well, listen to the owner of In-N-Out Burger, Lindsay Snyder, the granddaughter of Esther and Harry Snyder, who started in Burger in 1948 at Baldwin Park with the genius idea that Harry Snyder had. Her grandpa was to make a telephone loudspeaker so that when you drove up to In-N-Out Burger, different than other fast food burger places, which already prepared custom, not custom, but mass-produced burgers, in and out Burger meant you went to the window, asked for the double-double, whatever, however you wanted it built, and custom-made the burger for you. They weren't interested in franchising to thousands of other people. They wanted to keep it in the family. Joy comes from finding your calling. Just like Eric Arakawa says, it's not about your bank account. It's about doing the best that you possibly can, finding your calling. So here's an interview with Lindsay Snyder about In-N-Out Burger. Could you ever see a time where you go public or where you franchise or where you sell? No way. Never? (laughs) Never. The only reason you would do that is for the money, and I, I wouldn't do it. 
my heart is totally connected to this company because of my family and the fact that they're not here you know I have a, a strong tie to keep this the way they would want it for nearly 70 years that's been selling burgers without selling out and you wonder why are they not in other states primarily just in California and it's because they don't want to freeze the meat or use a microwave so you got to be within 300 or 600 miles so you can be delivered fresh that's where the joy comes from the joy is in building something custom that you the customer want and the happiness is you individually getting happiness from eating the custom-made surfboard patty surgery you put your calling in life into each and every one of those items each store must be within 600 miles of three distribution centers where their burger patties are made that's because at in and out nothing is ever frozen or microwaved the company pays higher than average wages for the fast food industry store managers can make six figures that could explain the service with an actual smile. You can tell you're excited about this. You really like this. Oh, de definitely. <laughs> I love it. So now comes Anthony Bourdain, the art world to me. Where do you see the appreciation for the joy and happiness? He's happy. He's about as happy as it gets eating this burger that came from the joy of Lindsay Snyder and her family creating it. Listen to Anthony Bourdain. We're now one of my uh, favorite places in Los Angeles, In-N-Out Burger. We don't have those in New York. In fact, every once in a while, somebody starts, some cruel person starts a rumor, generally on a foodie website, that In-N-Out is coming to Brooklyn or to one of the boroughs. And everybody in New York goes, like, goes insane. Oh, my God, oh, my God, In-N-Out is coming. What can I say about this place? It's, it's uh it's the only fast food chain that I actually like and think is reasonably good for the world. Whenever I come to L.A., in fact, one of the reasons I look forward to doing the taste is because as soon as I arrive, I'll hit the airport in and out, and on my way out of town after finishing the taste, I'll pick up another. Every once in a while, I'll even buy a big reeking bag of burgers with onions and fries and, and uh, shakes, and I'll bring them back to my very nice hotel lobby, and it's really an amazing thing to see. Generally speaking, when you walk through the lobby of a nice hotel with a big reeking bag of fast food, people look at you like, you know, you're low class or, you know, why are you bringing that in here? We do have a restaurant. No, nothing but love and admiration. Even from the staff. Like, Good <laughs> and here you're going to hear Anthony Bourdain dissecting why it's so special. See, you know, the thing about a burger is it's there are many, many forces at play with a properly made burger. You've got to have a decent bun, right, to start with. Bun selection, very important. Um, you know, good quality meat. Also, you know, that would be nice. Uh, Non-limp, reasonably fresh greens and garnishes, also good. Cheese, you don't want fancy cheese. You don't want, you know, no, just a, Whatever that is, this cheese-like substance is just perfect. Yeah. But notice it's two thin patties oh. together, okay? Maximum surface area, therefore exposing the maximum areas of meat surface to the popples of the tongue. It's brilliant. This is like a ballistic missile. Perfectly designed delivery system, protein delivery system. <laughs> and I like mine animal style. 
and I'll tell you what that is, but I'd have to kill you. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it is. My favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. A city with many fine restaurants, by the way. But that's his favorite. Notice how he says the thin patty for maximum surface area for the cheese. When you build this custom burger, that's part of it. Maximum surface area. Well, when you custom build a surfboard, the reason you need these intricacies that make it special is because it's also about surface area. Listen to this analysis of how you must build a surfboard to get it to glide through the water, to get the grip from the energy and the speed. When we take off on a wave and set our rail to start riding across the face, our surfboard interrupts the apparent flow of water. Two things then happen. Our surfboard grips the face of the wave and the surfboard generates lift and forward thrust. Depending on exactly how the board interacts with the water flow, the amount of lift, thrust and grip can be varied to suit the maneuvers we're trying to do on the wave. There you go. Maximum surface area. The shape, the contour, whether you want to have melted American cheese on that maximum surface area or you want that surfboard to glide through the waves and the energy that's in that water. It's about custom building it. The joy, the happiness of life. We're going to learn more about it from my special guest coming up next, the great Wayne Rich. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show, Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Killies. Start your weekend off right, <laughs> listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What better way to introduce Wayne Rich than the Beach Boys? Wayne, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Oh, my pleasure. So tell me first a little bit about the great Albert Garcia, who went out of his way to come to the back of my truck while I was loading my board to criticize the guy who made the board, I won't say his name, that I was riding, to sing the praises of his favorite surfboard shaper, you. Who is Albert Garcia? Tell me a little bit about him. Albert, he's a brother. He's a little brother of mine, really. Met through Mike Ortega, some of the hardcore guys up here. Uh, Albert's Ventura boy. He's just, uh, he used to live up here, Santa Barbara way, Rencon. Met him when he was real young, and uh, he's just been a, a devout kind of helper and follower with the design of the boards he's a good guy he's a good guy and that i credit and thank albert for making this happen so i'm giving him a shout out let's talk about you wayne where'd you grow up what's your father do for a living and how did surfing and shaping boards enter your life well my dad he's a pattern maker he worked on aircraft uh spy satellites later he met my mother in flight test in rock uh north american and wow tell you what that time all the aircraft 
industry invented all the things we use in surfboards. So mm. they invented fiberglass and resins and all these these adhesives and things that, that have allowed us to build these lightweight vehicles that we go out and have fun on. Did you ever so go to I work guess, with your dad? Did he ever take you and show you how to map things out and what the materials were like? No, he he, he did everything and real top secret stuff. He was mm-hmm. involved in all kind of programs. So so really uh, it was it was my mother and my sister. Hmm. That were were actually, you know what? It's my mom's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday! She, How old is she? She well, she passed away, but she would have been ninety three. Wow. So we we lost her in oh five. But uh, wow. and it's also it's really kind of cool. It's Isabel, my grand uh, niece's birthday today as well. She's two years old. Want to wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> See, this is you what's know, so special about you, Wayne. You always think of others, not about yourself. That's the no, core of who you are. I love that. Well, it's funny. And then since the show came up, all these people are hitting me up. My phone's been going off this morning. My <laughs> nephew, Brian's a big fan. He's always listening to your show. All these people, I <laughs> Chad down in Malibu and the Marshall Brothers, and all these people. It's just funny. It's just blowing my mind. But uh uh, Thanks for having me on. It's a real honor. You know, we we last time I saw you was at that show you had mm-hmm. down in Century or in uh, West Peter Hollywood, Sina across yeah, yeah, Hollywood, and uh, you had all the radiator boards mm-hmm. that that I, I sold seventy five thousand dollars worth of surfboards in a single night for radiator. That's what happened that night. I was because um, yeah. I sold those surfboards radiator like you. You're not just surfboard shapers. Your sculptors. What you do, Wayne, is art, just like Rennie Ader. And when people came and said, oh, Clapper, you just, you know, selling, sur- I ain't selling surfboards. I'm selling sculptures. And all of the buddies <laughs> that I brought, they bought every single surfboard that I brought, 15 surfboards I brought that night, every one of them sold. And they proudly, to this day, when I run into people, I still, it's in my foyer. It's the first thing people see when they come into my house. That's how special shaping a surfboard is. It's a sculpture. Well, you love Rennie, You've, and, and yep. he deserved that, and, yep. and Kevin also, too. You yep. did a lot of nice things for them. Yep, so, yep, exactly. Yeah. So how did you cool. get started? Take us through your story. Okay. Um, my mom, at age three, put me through my very first wave. Um, uh-huh. I remember it well. And uh, she told me not to be afraid and, and took me underneath it. And, and from there, I, my sister, as a kid growing up, we'd go to the beach all the time. My sister would go up to Zona, would go up to uh, 22nd Street in Hermosa Beach, which was uh-huh. kind of the melting pot for hot dog surfing. If you ever talk to Henry Ford, he'll claim that it was hot dog surfing was invented at huh. 22nd Street in Hermosa Beach. But wow. uh as a kid, we'd go up there, and I just—I was riding a surf mat from the time I was four or five years old. And then I—the I, guys up there would let me try their board if I was allowed to go carry the damn thing. I couldn't pick it up. I was nine years old, you know, I, I couldn't carry one of them. They weighed thirty-five, forty, fifty pounds back then. So finally, ended up uh, when I went into swim school with my mom put me through every swimming type of school until I was a junior guard. But as I grew up, my first swimming instructor was Rudy Bendixson. Now she was married to Dan Bendixson of Bing surfboards. So Mm. Bing, that was, Dan was a really special person. He was a second father to me. Hmm. 
he was the one who who allowed me to come in and watch him shape at Bing surfboards in uh, down on uh, in the valley there where where all the surfboard factories were. Mm. Um, Pollard Valley is what it was called. But we would walk through that area to go surfing from Seventh Street. Uh, my old friend Bruce Tuttle and I, and and we, Danny was nice enough to take and spend time with a kid mm. and and give his time. And he uh, he was just uh, an amazing guy. Uh, watching him run a, an electric planer at that time when I was a little kid, I couldn't even pick one up. I never thought I'd become a shaper, so I had to become a surfer first, you know, mm. and that's always the best way to start this process. And then it, you just get hooked on this cause and effect. Mm. Of, you know, I remember asking Dan one time, how do you know how to make those cuts you're making <laughs> with that tool? How do you, how do you know that? Yeah. And he said to me, Wayne, if you really want to know the answer to that, you're going to spend the rest of your life to learn what that question is all about. (laughs) And that's how deep he was. And I was pretty young at the time. And then as I got older, I started to understand how learn to surf well enough to understand how to evaluate a surfboard. And then you just, like I say, the cause and effect of, of the principles of physics, which you don't have to have a master's in physics to, to evaluate a surfboard. So it's kind of neat when you can sh- make changes, shape changes, go out and ride them, and you start to get gain an understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of draws you in. That's the big draw for this. And people just get hooked on it. And at those times, uh, it was... I mean, surfing really wasn't a glamorous thing. People didn't really like surfers back then. Mm. A lot of us were stoners and problem <laughs> makers and everything else. But, but it was a, it was a, it was it grew through to where it is now, and and people really love the whole idea. But it's a cultural thing mm. that we've all you know become a part of. But then I met Ray Lukey, and and he really helped me. We grew up together. And and he was a great board builder. He worked over at Rick Surfboards down in the you know down in the little valley there where all the Greg Knoll had a shop there and, and Rick Surfboards and hmm. just so many so many of the South Bay boards were built in that little spot there between Sixth and Eighth Street. So what all I of fi- that time, Wayne, what I find interesting, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what I find yeah. interesting is. Basketball doesn't teach you about life. Baseball don't teach you. The, the metaphor of life is not there. Steve Pesman once told me, the nose of the board is your future. The tail of the board is your past. The surfer stands in the middle and learns to live in the moment. You have full-on Zen philosophers. Phil Jackson, I guess you could argue, saw basketball that way. But it seems like surfing more than anything else, lends itself to understanding life more than just the sport. I want to play a soundbite, and I need to hear what you hear as a surfboard shaper for decades. What does it mean to you to hear this, and I need you to break it down? This is Eric Arakawa, the shaper for Andy Irons and many, many other people. Yeah. There's, there's two things. There's, there's happiness and there's joy, and they're not necessarily the same thing. Joy is knowing that I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm a man of faith, and I believe that there's something much bigger than myself. Through that, my faith, I've been able to make sense of this life, and I know there's a lot of other people that would disagree and feel like, well, okay, that's good for me because maybe I just needed some extra help. 
but I'm free and I can just live life and I can go ahead and just use that to connect with other that people. That is what gets me up in the morning. There is something so much more important than building surfboards, so much more important than running a successful business or striving for that. There's so much more than just sticking a whole bunch of money in my, my bank account. If I'm ripping people off, if I just shape them board, I go, ah, this is good enough, you know, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, it has to affect everything, you know. I want to I wanna do my best for everyone because God gave me his best. Do you put a little bit of Wayne Rich in each of your boards? <laughs> well, I put a little bit of Wayne Rich. I put a little bit of Mike Pace, who was one of the greatest surfers from Redondo Breakwater of all time. I put a little of Eddie Piper from Hawaii. I put a little of all these people who've helped me mm. because I couldn't do it myself. And so I've been able to work with so many great people, and I could go down a list of just amazing people that have helped make my life. They've formulated my life. Mm. Uh, but we, when I think about Eric there, he's a buddy of mine. I love Eric. He's, he's so cool. I think of you know that joy thing, I guess, a little more simpler he's he's a he's a really calculated person i a lot of respect for him i think of the joy thing of watching mike pace ride the tube by me on an eight foot day at breakwater back in the day and and just being in this space of the time stops you don't care about anything in the world there's no problems all your problems are gone for a few moments and you're just you're just in this you're just enjoying what god has given us yeah it, it's uh, the metaphors of life just flow literally from this. But to be able to to shape the board, I was in Hawaii surfing with my buddies at Pops one day, and I said to this surfboard shaper Bruno, who's shaped, like you, shaped boards his whole life. I said to him, Bruno, what is it that you've learned about shaping boards all these years? And he thought about it and he looked at me. He goes, Robbie. Never cut on the line you draw. <laughs> Always leave a little bit of room for for you to work it. And you know what? That's a story for your life. Don't it hedge. Is. Don't put all in because you better not take risks. I get it. But you better no, not it, cut on the line because you can't go back. Well, yeah. All of a sudden, you're, you're blind. You know, once that line is gone, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're in a, an area where uh, – you know, and we have those areas in our lives. We mm. all go through these times when we don't have a line and we don't know where to go. Mm. And that's when we got to lean on God. We, we figure it out. And, and that's what makes us strong. Mm. Those are the things that, that give us the ability to, to dig deep and, and climb through the, the, the hardships that, that make life worth living, you know. And, and that's kind of what, you know, being a, a surfboard shaper, make a, trying to make a living at it all these years has been a real big challenge. I mean, it, it's uh, it's it's if you care about what you're doing, some people are better at drawing the line sooner. They just treat it differently. It's diff there's no right or wrong. Mm. Um, soul shaping, uh, really, really getting deep into it. Uh, I look at it like the way the culture is. It, the surfing culture, it's a tribe. You know, it's a tribe broken up into hundreds of tribes up and down every coast everywhere in the world you everybody has their own little zone they're in their own little areas okay the ocean is a is an extremely complex 
system. You have to learn how to operate in it. It can be very dangerous if you don't learn. And, and it teaches you like life. There's things that you can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. There's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in the water. There's a pecking order. You learn about you know, how you represent yourselves and the moves you make out there on this moving chessboard, constantly changing every minute with the tide, swell mm-hmm. direction, changes that are happening there's a current over there there's a riptide over there there's Mm -hmm. this you've got to set yourself up you have to make your moves and how you make your moves out there in that crowd of people is going to designate who the people are and Hmm. how you represent yourself and who you how you treat people and and all that stuff i mean it can get a little wild out there it get heavy at times we just uh i had a little thing a while back i just come back to if we if we all have Humility and respect, we can all be one. Mm. But once we lose that, we get into that deal where our egos get crazy, and you know how it is. It, I do. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty intense. So place Alfred out Hitchcock, there Alfred Hitchcock, one of the greatest directors of all time, was interviewed by Francois Truffaut, and he, Francois Truffaut, asked him, Alfred Hitchcock, what's your favorite part about making the movie? And his answer was, none of it. He said, what? You're Alfred Hitchcock. What do you mean, none of it? He said, because as soon as I read the story, either the book or the screenplay, in my mind, I already start putting together the movie. I've already made the movie in my head. So actually just making it doesn't excite me. I've already built the movie in my head. For me as a surgeon, 16,000 surgeries. I do 500 surgeries a year for 33 years all I need to do, Wayne Rich, is touch your knee or your shoulder, and I can. it sounds crazy, but I could see through the skin. I already know what your anatomy looks like because I've done it that many times. So I want to ask yeah. you, Wayne Rich, all of these thousands of boards you've made over your beautiful career, when someone says to you, hey, Wayne, I want it to be 10'6", 4 inches thick, I want it to be this, all the dimensions, number one, Do you already create the board in your head? And like Hitchcock, is the rest of it not that interesting anymore because you've already built the board? What's your favorite part of making the board? The nose, the tail, the rails, the bottom, the top. Take us through what it's like to get the order and what goes through your head. Wow, that's a... That's a really deep question. I mean, you're you're the man, bro. That's pretty good. You know what it is? The first thing I have to know is what what how does the person surf? Where are they surfing? What are the parameters that they want the board to operate best in? You know, the performance parameters and then, you know, how do they surf? What 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 size surf do they want to work best in? And and you know, because there's there's no perfect board for one thing. This is a massive set of parameters we're dealing with. You have to narrow it down. That's why we have quivers of boards. So we have we I, we. So what part of the quiver are we shooting for today? Mm. And then we size it down like that. Then it's their size, their weight, what you know, their physical condition. Do they have a problem with their body where I need to help them a little bit? Are we going to make the board more forgiving here, more? a little more performance minded over there. 
you know, where, where, and the wave they surf on the most is the, is a huge factor because the, the ocean is so different in certain breaks that, you know, we really need to put different things together hmm. on board to make them work right in different breaks. So we start there and then I start working on, so on just narrowing the cone of vision down to, okay, where are we going to pinpoint our best? And then at that point, I just put my head down and pray about it, and, and I and I put down the I, I take all the years of everything I've again learned from all my friends who helped me and been good enough to ride my boards with me, and we go and we take all that and try to put it into this this design. And uh, if I haven't had an easy one yet, the people that I've been able to work with just more or less. Their input is so important here. Mm. Why, so, let me so, ask you a, la- a last question. Why do you write the underground lives on your boards? The underground lives. That's a, you know, uh, in, in our lives as people, we all have dreams that we follow. Mm. And we have these ideas. Um, you know, the bigger the dreams, uh, they can have bigger obstacles. And, you know, we have to keep them realistic, and uh, you know. But at the same time, some of us have pretty big dreams. I and mean, the, the idea of becoming a shaper for me was a huge dream. Is it is it possible? Uh, sometimes it seems impossible, and what we have to go through to get to the other end of of what we're trying to achieve is so challenging that it can just bring us to our knees. And and I've been there so many times. Now I'm a recovered addict. Mm-hmm. From 91, 31 years, and and at the time when I got through all that, it was so difficult for me to to make a living doing this mm-hmm. that I still had to do other stuff, and I had to fight so hard, and it and it was just so I just wanted to give up at times, and and I just kept, and I used to, I remember writing on this board I was. I was shaping and it was just so tough at the time and I was just so broken, but I still was able to make this wonderful board for a friend. Hmm. And I wrote the underground lives because that means nothing will ever stop anyone who really needs to finish that dream. And I just kept on going on head on. No fear. We got to go. You know, we got to handle this long road. We're going to, we just got to kick ass and take names and not give up. Mm. And and I think everybody can relate to that. So that's what that means. It just is, uh, you know, life's a gift from God. It's go time. Let's go. Well, Wayne Rich, listen, Dan is up there and very proud of what you've become as a shaper. But I will tell you, Albert Garcia is very proud of what you do and what you've done for him. And we're all just blessed to be able to know there's a person like you out there making surfboards. Wayne Rich Surfboards, some of the best that you'll ever find in Venturna. Thanks so much for making time to be with us, Wayne. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And next time I'll, I, I want to, we'll talk about some of the doctors like yourself who've, who've, who've kept me going all these years. Okay. And uh, I really, I owe everything to them. And, you know, doctors are, are the heroes for all of us because they allow us to keep living this, this dream. And, and, and that means the underground lives. That's right. Okay, brother. Well, I will tell you, being a doctor, you bring out the best in whoever gets to take care of you. You're a special person. <laughs> Thanks so much, Wayne. God bless you.
God bless you. All right. Take care. The great Wayne Rich. You want a surfboard? He's the guy to get it from. Just he'll need to make time because he's super busy, but worth it. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But I want to teach you a little bit about why you may want to think twice before having a surgery if you did tear your meniscus. I'll explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. Don't be afraid to try the greatest sport around. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Doesn't get any better than that for me. Getting to talk about surgery, surfing, in and out burgers. You got to be kidding me. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Let's share the... Share the love. The lines are all lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Miles. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Dr. Clapper, I'm having rotator cuff surgery in a week, and I want your advice on what to expect post-surgery. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 58. I'm an English teacher, and I coach basketball. Okay, uh, I need to know more of the details, specifically, Miles, about how big the tear is. What's the quality of the muscle? Is there atrophy? Um, how far away the tendon has pulled away from the bone? Did you have cortisone shots in the shoulder beforehand? Your age makes a difference. Your occupation makes a difference. But I would say this, Miles, because this is going to be a short little segment before we take our last segment. If you want, well, when are you having the surgery, next week or the week after? A week from this Tuesday. So, so, you're not, so next Saturday, if you called in, you, uh, you hadn't had the surgery yet, right? Correct. So I'm going to make a deal with you. You're going to be the first one we take. And I will give you the answer of what to do with your shoulder and what to expect when I ha- when you have in front of you your MRI so you can read me the impression, and then I will tell you what is in store for you. How's that? I can do that. I appreciate it. Thank All you right. very much. Now, listen, Miles, you're a total stranger. You need to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right? Will do. God bless you. All right. We'll take a break. The lines are lit up. We'll come back. Stay on the line. We'll get to all of you. What a joy it is. But I also have to tell you what I was teasing you about was the meniscus tear that you don't want to fix if you have this kind of tear. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show. Take a short break and come right back. 
Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> We're stuck here. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Don't listen to them. Don't even listen to Betty Crocker when she tells you how many minutes the brownie should cook in the oven. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a pleasure to talk about the things that I love in life. Food, in and out Burger. Oh, my God. But now I understand why it's so special. It's so special because they custom make each burger. But it's a family. It's a dynasty. A beautiful dynasty. Started by Harry and Esther Snyder. Here's a little bit about the story of In-N-Out Burger. I was just really hungry and I wanted to have an In-N-Out Burger. What keeps most people coming back is a simple menu that basically hasn't changed since Harry Truman was president. Burgers, fries, sodas, and shakes. It's about the quality, the friendliness, and the cleanliness. We keep it simple. Lindsay Snyder is In-N-Out's 33-year-old president. The one word people use to describe your family throughout the years is reclusive. You guys don't talk a lot about In-N-Out or do interviews. Well, why is that? You know, we back away from it because we don't want to be in the spotlight. We don't want a bunch of attention, and we want to do what we do best, and that's serve some good burgers to our customers. It's not about us here. It's about this. You can hear the humbleness in Lindsay Snyder's voice. It's not about us. Just like Wayne Rich. He don't want to talk about himself. He'd rather give credit to all the people that trained him. Then she's asked, you going to franchise it? You're going to go to Wall Street? Here's Lindsay Snyder. Could you ever see a time where you go public or where you franchise or where you sell? No way. Never? (laughs) Never. The only reason you would do that is for the money, and I I wouldn't do it. My heart is totally connected to this company because of my family, and the fact that they're not here, you know, I have a, a strong tie to keep this the way they would want it. For nearly 70 years, that's meant selling burgers without selling out. That's where the joy comes from. And let me tell you, you can taste it in each and every bite. The great Anthony Bourdain, greatest chef ever, he taught us that. You know, the thing about a burger is it's there are many, many forces at play with a properly made burger. You got to have a decent bun, right, to start with. Bun selection, very important. Um, You know, good quality meat. Also, you know, that would be nice. Uh, non-limp, reasonably fresh greens and garnishes, also good. Cheese, you don't want fancy cheese. You don't want, you know, no. Whatever that is, this cheese-like substance is just perfect. I just love his voice. But notice it's two thin patties together, okay? Maximum surface area, therefore exposing the maximum areas of meat surface to the popples of the tongue. It's brilliant. This is like a ballistic missile. Perfectly designed delivery system, protein delivery system. And I like mine animal style. And I'd tell you what that is, but I'd have to kill you. Yes. Oh, yeah. There it is. My favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. A city with many fine restaurants, by the way. 
the maximum surface area for your tongue to feel. Well, close your eyes. Imagine that patty is a surfboard and imagine the tongue is the ocean. Same principle, custom building the burger and custom building the surfboard. When we take off on a wave and set our rail to start riding across the face, our surfboard interrupts the apparent flow of water. Two things then happen. Our surfboard grips the face of the wave and the surfboard generates lift and forward thrust. Depending on exactly how the board interacts with the water flow, the amount of lift, thrust and grip can be varied to suit the maneuvers we're trying to do on the wave. There it is. Only on this show would someone dream of comparing a burger to a surfboard. But actually, the principles are the same. And the person behind the scenes building the burger, building the board, or the surgeon doing that custom operation on you, this is where the joy in life comes from. It brings happiness to the patient, happiness to the burger customer, and happiness to the surfer riding that board. That's happiness, that moment, that individual. But the joy is finding your calling in life and pursuing it, not caring about the money, not caring about anything other than your calling. So there's the answer, John Ireland and Steve Mason, to what I was promoting all week long with our promo. Eric Arakara is white is right. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Next week, I can't wait to tell you about what we're going to be doing next week. My guests next week are the movie producers who made a movie about Duke Hanamoku that's going to come out. And it's based on the book written by a man who was a guest on this show a couple of times, Dave Davis, the author. He's awesome. He wrote a book called Waterman about the life of Duke Hanamoku. Well, Duke Hanamoku, he didn't invent surfing. That was done thousands of years ago by the ancient Polynesians. But you know what Duke Hanamoku did? He rescued this incredible sport from the ashes. It was burned to the ground by the missionaries who populated the islands of Hawaii and crushed anything related to their ancient culture. Made them stop speaking Hawaiian. Their customs, their rituals, they had to stop doing. They had to cover their bodies. They used to be naked in the water. And they took away surfing. It was Duke Hanamoku that rescued that surfboard burning in the bonfire and brought it back for all of us to enjoy. Well, where else in the world of art, the world of surgery, do I see the same story? Someone rescuing something from the ashes for us to enjoy. And guess what I found? And I will share it with you next week. We all know who the Beatles were, right? Well, one of the four guys, John, Paul, Ringo, and George Harrison. George Harrison fell in love with Indian music. And I mean from India. There is a musical instrument called the sitar that was just like the surfboard to the Hawaiians, being crushed, being burned, no one wants to deal with it. It was George Harrison 
who was introduced to Ravi Shankar. And Ravi Shankar, like Dukkha Hanamoku, rescued the sitar from the ashes and brought it to the forefront. Well, when someone in the Beatles brings your instrument, your songs, your music to the forefront, people take notice. The story of Duke rescuing surfing for all of us is the same story of George Harrison meeting Ravi Shankar and bringing him to the front of the stage. We're going to learn about the journey because, trust me, it ain't easy. But I guess, just as President Kennedy said a long time ago, we're not going to the moon because it's easy. We're going to go to the moon because it's hard. That's what's special in life. Not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Well, wish me luck today at my basketball game because we don't need Dr. Clapper to be the patient. Thank you very much. I will be saying hello and looking to the sky. Just as Eric Arakawa is a man of faith, so am I, because that's who I'm going to need, the big orthopedic surgeon in the sky to keep my rotator cuff, Achilles tendon, and anterior cruciate ligament fine so that I can be here next Saturday and do surgeries all week long. But what a joy it's going to be to host a basketball game with 12 of my surfing friends from Ventura. Until next week, I will leave you with Volare, which in Italian is a song all about singing and flying. And if you ask me what it is that we do each and every Saturday together, that's exactly what it is. We sing, we eat, we analyze life. And thanks so much for joining me and Will each and every Saturday. Until then, I'll see you on the radio.